No, this is the wine is good. I'm happy with it. Yeah, it is like uh, it's doing the wine thing. To yeah, me. <laughs> like I don't feel intoxicated. Yeah, you're, you're not buzzed or anything. You're just kind of just like oh, I'm a little as, sleepy. As much as I'm just like. I mean, you can go make some coffee. I can really curl up right now. Go make, go make your uh, mocha pot and just drink a whole thing. Oh, but then I wouldn't fall asleep <laughs> until like two in the morning. We all make choices in life, man. I'm just going to pound some water. There you go. Yeah, lick my toes. There's a puppy licking my toes. That's Yeah, dog update. Right now. Boy. That's what you get for not wearing real shoes. I'm okay with it. I'll take I'm, a puppy licking my I'm toes. I'm not wearing shoes either. She likes to lick my feet. Yeah. She's gross. Dogs are gross. Yeah. But cute. Um, she's looking at me all sad. It's fun to have a dog in the house. Yeah, it's nice. Have you you owned a dog? I've owned dogs. Yeah. I mean, not since I've been an adult, but. Do you plan to own a dog again? We would like to. Felicity is not really into that idea. Mm. So it's not probably going to happen for a while. Yeah. She's very anti-dog. We also don't have a yard. Like, I feel bad not having a chance. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I've, Olive's here for a week, but, right. like, that's about as much as you want to be able to do that. Yeah, like, this apartment is not suited for Olive yeah. permanently. She'll be fine for a week. Mm-hmm. And it's only half the apartment. Yeah, because <laughs> the bedroom has a cat in it. Yes. He was hiding under your bedstand when I went to the bathroom. It was very cute. That's his spot. He's he slept there all night. Yeah, because he doesn't fit, so he's he's hiding, but <laughs> he sticks out on all sides. Um, yeah, it, he, that his spot is underneath my nightstand or in the closet, like underneath my my bike in the closet. Yeah, also a good spot. Yeah. Um, he kind of like doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah. Theo's a little confused. Yeah. Uh, because he hasn't like seen Olive, mm-hmm. which is probably for the best. I mean, Olive was barking up a storm earlier, so yeah, I'm sure so she he, knows something's going on. Yeah, but he hasn't like grasped the situation. Yeah. But um, Olive has no idea. That's probably for the best, which is the point. Yeah, because if Olive did have an idea, she'd be perched outside that door right now. Yeah. So I'm gonna eat a cat. I'm yeah. eat a cat. Um, I have watched Olive uh, destroy small animals before, Aww. and I like. I'm pretty sure Olive would just eat. Didn't Theodore. she eat a bird at one point? She just I remember that story. Yeah. Straight up ate a bird while I tried to wrestle it away <laughs> from her. I mean, to be fair, Theo ate a bird. Theo has eaten birds before too. Um, but he's supposed to eat birds because he's a cat. That's the natural order of things. And um, like if Theo was trying to eat a bird in front of me, I could wrestle Theo away from a yes. bird. But Olive so is much. strong enough where like I could not overpower Olive. I am eating this bird. You can't stop me. So yes, Olive and Theo need separation because I would not like for there to be a bloody battle yeah that would like, be bad Theo is a fast strong sure capable yeah cat who would defend himself valiantly mm-hmm. but I but because of just sheer size and weight I yeah. think would lose and would probably get eaten your dog just fell asleep on my foot so what have you been up to it's been a while Did you got any weddings no weddings. I'm surprised at how often we've talked about weddings just in the history of this show. Like we're, it's one of our themes. We're at that age. We are. Where weddings are happening That's a lot. true. Yeah. We are definitely at that age. Like if we were doing this when we were 50, uh, we'd only have like weird weddings yeah. to talk about. We might have like kid weddings. Kid, like kids are getting married. Yeah, our kids would be getting married or like our weird 
cousins yeah would be getting married again mm-hmm. um i finished 30 rock did we talk about 30 rock is over and i started a new television yeah I don't know if we talked about it on the show. We've, we've texted about it a few times. Yes, because... I haven't listened to the last two episodes because I was busy with wedding stuff. <laughs> so Jesse would send me an audio file and I'd be like, sure, uploaded. I don't know what's on this thing. Mm, I wish I knew that before. I could have taken advantage of that. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I didn't tell you. <laughs> That's still one of my favorite tweets that you've ever done. What? Well, I, I posted like... I didn't listen to this episode. I hope it's not just fart sounds. <laughs> and you did a, you quoted that and was just like, this one's just fart sounds. <laughs> that one, that one made me laugh. Uh, that was pretty good. Yeah. So I have no idea what we talked about in the last couple episodes, but yeah, you finished 30 rock. I finished 30 I rock. I recommended Carmichael show. Yeah. So I thought I would, so I finished 30 rock and I was like, okay, I have tortured Kevin enough <laughs> with like you giving me a, like, hey, watch this. Hey, recommendation watch this. after recommendation after recommendation. And I was like, cool, I'll add it to the list. I'm still working on 30 Rock. And yeah. I, I watched 30 Rock for Six at months? least four months. Yeah. Um, and so I decided I would grant you the opportunity to recommend the next thing to me. Yeah. And to my complete bafflement, you told me to watch something you had not previously recommended. Yeah. Because as we've determined, I have always have new recommendations. Like I was expecting, <laughs> like I was expecting is the wrong word. I was dreading <laughs> that you would say something like Star Trek yeah. or The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could have done that. I kind of expected if I had told you to watch Star Trek, you would have just said no. I might have, but like I, by asking you, I put myself in the mindset of like, I am granting Kevin authority to dictate my next Man, thing. I feel like I wasted that. I'm glad you didn't go all out. <laughs> um, but I, uh, you recommended The Carmichael Show mm-hmm. and I have watched all of it. Yeah. Even the, the current season? Yes. Oh, cool. Oh, I, haven't even, I haven't even finished the current season. You watched all of it on Netflix? Is it seasons one and two? Season three is on right now. Oh. It's on Hulu. I watched seasons one and two. Cool. Still. I mean, enough to watch and, and make an opinion. Um, It was a weird show. I do not watch television like this. Yeah. Ever. I know. So it was a... That's kind of where I picked it. Yeah. It was a very new television watching f- experience for me. Yeah. Um, It's a multicam uh-huh. in front of a live, live studio, studio audience, audience sitcom. Yep. Which, Mostly taking place in someone's living room. Yeah. Which I have not watched a show like that since I have just tangentially been exposed to Everybody Loves Raymond in yeah. my parents' living room. You did watch the entirety of Seinfeld. Yes. But Seinfeld is like a different it is. class. That's fair. It is a multicam sitcom, though, and I think it, it hues to that store, that format fairly well. It does. You're right. You're right. Like, even when it's, like, fighting that format, it is still a multicam sitcom. Yeah. But it is also, like, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. <laughs> so it was way more like I'm watching Seinfeld than it is I'm watching this type of television. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, I wish I made you watch Star Trek. <laughs> Just all of it. <laughs> you lost your chance. That's okay. Um, it was... So you recommended it to me with the description of it being like a... Like it's this abnormal format for me. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, And it also like is very character-based and 
pursues like interesting like cultural and social issues yeah through the like defined characters mm-hmm. on the show yeah all that's in this family that's like how i would describe the show yeah um and it is very much that yeah right like you have so the the premise of the show is you have um like middle-aged parents mm-hmm. who have two grown sons mm-hmm. um one of the the main the main-ish character mm-hmm. is has a living girlfriend mm-hmm. um and they're like cool and young and mm-hmm. live in like a cool apartment. Yeah. Uh the parents are like boring conservative parents. Yeah, kind of stuffy. Um and the other son is like deadbeat. Yeah. And like, like still living with his ex wife. And recently <laughs> divorced, living with his ex wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and the it's a it's a black family. Mm-hmm. Um which was like one of the unique things to me is like, I have not watched much television or any television that is like all black cast. Cause there's very little of it. Right. And it, but it didn't feel like it was like made for black audiences. No. The way that like Kevin Hart movies are made for yeah. black. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I understand that. Or like, like the, the wasn't much uh, yeah. like cultural barrier to mm-hmm. be watching it. You yeah. know what I mean? It um, had a very broad target audience. Yeah. Um, but it is very, like, it is very black. Like, yes, absolutely. It, the, the characters are black and they are black. And they and they live being black. And right. That is, like, who the, that is a part of who they are. That is part of the world they live in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very culturally, like the, like the parents. And like, mm-hmm. I think maybe even like, especially the mom. Like the mom is mm-hmm. like a black matriarch. Yeah. And, um... And still very fully defined characters. Like it's not caricature at all. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, I have a mixed opinion about the show. I expected that. Like I still don't like this format mm-hmm. as much as other formats. I, I expected that. Um, and I didn't see it do anything like special or interesting with it. It mm-hmm. was just a structure. It doesn't do anything special or interesting with the, with the format. Right. Um, but it was hilarious uh-huh. some of the time uh-huh like what's some of the best act like comic actors are on that show like dl Hughley, the woman who plays the mom whose name i do not remember is a is a comedy queen like she's been uh-huh. doing funny things forever um so yeah very and, funny actors and she plays her character to the extreme oh, perfect like she She's, is she might be the best character on that show yeah she is intense and outlandish and loud and like just amazing turned all the way up yeah you know what i mean um and th- it's not D.L. Hughley. I feel real bad for saying that. <laughs> the rest of the characters all feel like subdued compared to the mom. Yes. Um, but the like the dad is just like classic American like dad who oh, is absolutely. like right, like like comes home from work and loves to sit in his easy chair mm-hmm. and you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just that very conservative type. Um the brothers are hilarious. Yeah. They're ex-wife and girlfriend are hilarious Mm -hmm. uh and each one fits in a very like i think my favorite thing about the show was each character fits in a very clear role each Mm -hmm. one is very separated from the other yeah and like they the show is written for them all to interact yes in a very great way yes um and sometimes this i I think sometimes the show is absolutely hilarious Mm -hmm. but sometimes the show is like watching um 
like a morning news show discuss social issues. Okay. Like it is just such a basic introduction <laughs> in yeah like 101 level right like there's an episode where um like a muslim family yeah like a muslim like husband that one and wife, a little on the nose like moves in across the street and yeah. the parents are uncomfortable with it mm-hmm. and the children are like cool with it mm-hmm. right and everyone's going through that dynamic yeah. and they think the muslims are terrorists and they steal a package off their porch because they think it's probably a bomb and it's not a bomb it's a teddy bear yeah. like like it's it's that, very, that one's a little on the nose. I will definitely give you that. It's, it's very sick, but like it's very sitcom-y. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, let's yeah. get ourselves in a cool, crazy situation. Yes. Um, but like the like the, the level of discourse mm-hmm. in that episode is just very one-on-one. Yes. Very, very basic. Very surface. Um, and because of that, the characters are... It reads... It... it I watch it and it feels like I'm reading like a textbook math problem. The way like the, (laughs) you know, like the way the characters are like, like I'm the character who's a little uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. this and I'm the character who's going to be like a little bit pushback on this. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess like there, there is value in that. Like some people will respond to like a very basic surface level discourse on these topics. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that anyone's talking about it at all on TV is new and interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I get that. So I, I think uh, I read an interview, not an interview, a story about like the filming and the creation of this show, like right before it got canceled. Um, and one of the things that they often, they very strongly tried to do as they were creating the show, is have the stories come out of the family, and have something that is sort of tied to them as people. Mm-hmm. And the farther away they get from that, the less good the show is. So mm-hmm. I think the Muslim family is a very good example. There's an episode about a transgender kid, and they're sort of dealing with those issues. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and those are those are very much like an external thing happens to the family, and they have to deal with it. There are other episodes where the difficulty comes from who these people are and how they're interacting with the world. And I think are much better episodes. Mm. I think the Bill Cosby episode is a really good example of that. I liked that one a lot. That was because, because it was very much not an like, okay, Bill Cosby came to town. Sure. But the, the difficulties and the conflicts of the show came from within the family. Right. Rather than them reacting to an outside stimulus. Um, the episode, um, that deals with, um, is that like a funeral home or around a funeral? Yes, that one was really good. The um, excuse me, off. I'm the grandfather, yeah, like the father's father, yeah, died. died, and they out. The family has to deal with, yeah, that. and like deal with the fact, like this is a guy who beat his children and his wife, and like how do you like reconcile all of that? But you're at a funeral where you're supposed to like honor the dead, and mm-hmm. like that was a really, and that one wasn't like point to issue, talk about issue sort of an episode. <laughs> yeah, that one was a little more like just like something something is happening in the yeah. family dynamic and and it is still tied to these sort of hot button button issues but it's definitely coming out of the family's experience mm-hmm. and i think the episodes that do that are much stronger than the muslim family episode which was i think a weak episode there's yeah. one again i'm watching the third season right now with amy and we're a little behind but there was an episode about 
assisted suicide and like choosing when you're going to die mm. and the right to death. And it very much, and it didn't even have the full cast. It just had, um, the three men and, um, the dad's mother. Okay. Um, and it all took place basically in her house. Um, but you know, she brings them all in and says, I want to let you know I've got Alzheimer's. And they said, you told us that last month. Um, and she goes, which, which was a joke, but also like, and like an indication of like, Oh, if you've, like, d- if you've oh. dealt with Alzheimer's, that's also like brutal. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and it is. And it's sort of like that. And she sort of realizes like, Oh, she goes, well, I also wanted to tell you, I've decided to kill myself. And it's very matter of fact. Hmm. Um, it's like, this is a decision I've made. And she's like, I've been keeping up my, you know, I've been hoarding sleeping pills. Like I'm going to do this tonight. And I brought you here to say goodbye. Wow. Um, and it's very heavy. It's you still know, very cl- funny. Classic sitcom yeah, plot. Yeah. Classic sitcom <laughs> plot line. <laughs> Grandma's decided to kill decide herself. To kill herself. Um, and deals with sort of the idea of what is it, you know, what is it to choose to die at the end of your life? And is it okay? Is it not okay? How do you deal with that as someone who you know, is the loved one of someone who's trying to deal with this and has decided that that's the best option for them mm-hmm. and, like, doesn't come to, like, a nice pat answer, like, hey, be nice to Muslims, they're not terrorists. Um, right. and, and, like, there's an emotional arc there that is very much tied to who these people are and what they've dealt with that is, and still lots of jokes, like, it's still a funny episode. Yeah. Which is, I mean, hey, you made a funny episode about assisted suicide. Yeah, good on like, you. That's the, that's like <laughs> one of the best things about the show is yeah. like it is like each episode is about one of these issues, mm-hmm. and it is just still filled with like hilarious jokes. Yeah, like there were some moments where I was like laughing uncontrollably. Yeah, absolutely. There's, in, there's some incredible jokes in this show. Yeah, and that happens even in, even in these the most of like sort of heavy episodes. Yeah. Um, but you know, had that been you know, next door neighbor just killed themselves. How do we deal with that? Like mm. that would have been a very different way of dealing with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely see what you're saying of sort of the, some episodes kind of feel maybe not preachy, but feel basic. Yeah. Very basic. Um, and yeah. Uh, I think my, my two favorite episodes were the funeral one. Yeah. Right? That's, the, that was the dad's dad dies. An amazing and there's episode. the, there's the moment where like, um, so the main character, Gerard, mm-hmm. who's one of the sons, is, right, like, he's struggling with his treatment of his grandfather, like, mm-hmm. how he's supposed to feel about his grandfather and, like, how his own father feels about his father. Yeah. Like, he th- he disagrees with his father over, like, his father is respecting his grandfather. Yes. In his Despite de- the fact that death. he beat him throughout his childhood. Right. Yeah. And, like, Gerard's very conflicted on that and he finally confronts his dad. Yeah. And then his dad comes back with like an incredible, like incredibly powerful emotional speech about like what it was actually like to grow up mm-hmm. with this man who was horrible to him yeah. and horrible to his mother and all, and all this stuff. And like, it's like the writing of that and the delivery of that and like the acting, like the mm-hmm. acting on the show is incredible. Absolutely. It's like it hammers home perfectly a like powerful emotional moment mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with comedy. Yeah. And then like, but like right before and right after you're just like bouncing around Killer like jokes. hilarious jokes all the time. And I would, I would say 
one of the benefits of something like a, a multicam sitcom is it allows you to find that balance of mm. really funny and potentially really emotional. Most multicam sitcoms don't do that. Everybody mm-hmm. knows Raymond, Raymond, we're looking at you. <laughs> and people love Raymond. And I, I don't mind people who like Raymond. It's fine. It's great. It is, it is a pretty good show, yeah. like on a lot of, in a lot of ways. But like they're, they're not using that format to be successful and use that sort of thing. Mm. I think the Carmichael show, even though they're not being inventive with that format or doing unexpected things with the multicam sitcom, they are able to use the fact that they are in a sitcom to have jokes immediately and before you know, before and after a big moment like that, because they are in front of a live studio audience. And so when you hear those laughs, they're organic. Yeah. Like those are people actually laughing and feeling that emotional catharsis of humor Mm. after tragedy. Like Mm -hmm. that's a, the same way the viewer is at home. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's really powerful. Uh, The other thing about the multicam format is like, you can tell in a lot of places, like there was no great take. Sometimes, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like sometimes, like sometimes, yeah. like you, you're a little like the delivery or the acting, like you're a little bit taken out, and you're like, oh yeah, they're on a live set in front of people, and they're not like they don't get to rerun this over yeah. and over and over again to get that. They, perfect they can take. do that. They've got you know two days to shoot this entire episode. Yeah, they're gonna do the best they can with what they got. But then, when it's good. It's awesome. And you realize it, you're like, holy shit, like they're just <laughs> doing this like all together in front of a studio. Like, like it you makes you appreciate when the acting is really good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, my other, I think one of my other favorite episodes was the, um, like trapped in a room episode. Uh, everyone was all like locked together in the basement, uh, during the storm. Oh yeah. And yeah. The, and the yeah. pregnancy. Yeah, and doing talking about birth control issues and all that mm-hmm. stuff, and the, I think that was one of the, like it was still very like a pretty basic mm-hmm. treatment of the issue, sure, but it was such a good conflict between Gerard's girlfriend mm-hmm. who has a name. I know I can't remember it either right now, and I feel really bad about it. And Gerard's mother, yes, um, who also has a name. Who also has a name. The women on the show have names. Yeah. I'm a bad person. I can't remember I anybody's remember name them. but Gerard right now. <laughs> he is the main character as much as there is Yeah, one. well, he was, he was one of the creators of the show. Like, uh, yeah, he's was, like the primary writer, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, everyone in the family is named Carmichael because it's the Carmichael show. Yeah. But, like, yes, he is Gerard Carmichael, which uh, is his actual name in the classic sitcom format. Right. Um, But I really like that episode in the all the intense personal arguing amongst mm-hmm. everyone all in the room Worked really and, well yeah right and then you know leave coming and going too, mm. but uh yeah you got to try different character combos yeah I, like i'm a sucker for that episode format i really love when the sitcom- trapped in a room yeah mm-hmm. i love when sitcoms do the trapped yeah. in a room episode it's a great um, it's a great concept community stands out do you remember the community episode uh, do i remember the community episode where they were talking about bottle episodes <laughs> yes i remember that episode yeah it doesn't uh what's the who's the the handsome dude jeff doesn't jeff like close the door and he's like we're doing a bottle episode and he closes the door yeah yeah uh do you know the best part about that episode no the the community bottle episode what the best part about that episode is at the very beginning of the episode you can see annie's boobs steal the pen (laughs) it's just like it's it's on the table you see a hand reach up a little monkey hand 
That's a real good squeaky toy. Olive got her squeaky toy, so I'm going to go take her squeaky <laughs> toy away from her. Oh, poor Olive. I'm, but I got to squeak this. Oh, now they're playing. They're going to play tug of war. Going to play take the squeezy toy. But that doesn't squeeze. Silent Rope doesn't squeeze. I like toys that squeeze. Silent Rope is a better toy than Squeaky. <laughs> okay, I'll get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, in the very beginning of that episode, like they're just like doing the round the table talking thing, and mm-hmm. you can see a little monkey hand reach up and grab the pen. I've never noticed that. No, you wouldn't. It's like it's it is done in the perfect way that you would never notice it. Unless you were looking for it after watching the episode like seven times. Yeah. I kind of want, and I know that this isn't something that Dan, Dan Harmon would do, uh-huh. but I kind of want Dan Harmon to reboot Community and shoot it as a multicam. Oh, man. You know, they never did a multicam episode. Yeah. That's right in Community's wheelhouse. And that feels like a very obvious choice. Scrubs did a multicam episode. Did they really? Yeah. Did I've never watched Scrubs. but Scrubs does, is good. Does Scrubs do like, like? They don't do community. Kind of, they they don't do like no. format episodes. Uh, well, they they did in their later years. They would they did a few, um, but not traditionally. But one of the things that was really interesting about Scrubs is that it has, um, cutaway jokes, mm-hmm. like in in the Family Guy sort of Simpson world, but it's all live action. Right. Um, and they're 90% of the time it is JD, Zach Braff's character, like imagining things. Mm. Um, and that becomes a running joke later on is that he'll sometimes just stare off into space. And everyone's like, just give him a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's in a cutaway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the cutaway jokes were, were very new and unusual when Scrubs started, particularly for a live action show. Because uh, it was not a multi cam, it was a single cam show. Yeah. Um, but they did a multicam episode. That's interesting. I can't. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe Community didn't do that. Yeah, they had five seasons, six seasons. Six seasons. Gotta get that movie. Hashtag and a movie. And a movie. Did you ever watch the sixth season? Is that the one on Yahoo? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, I Dan, liked it. Dan Harmon wrote it, so it was funny. It helped. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was better than season five, and I think it was better than season three. Like, if I were to rank them, it would probably be. <laughs> Two, one, six, five, eh, three, five. Five four. was the one without Dan Harmon. Oh, four was the one without Dan Harmon. Oh, okay. What was wrong with three? Uh, three made a lot of choices that I didn't think worked for the, like, I, I feel like three went too crazy. Hmm. I don't, I don't remember specifics. I've, I've only watched Community once, Whoa. if you can believe that. Uh, that is kind of hard to believe. Like, I've watched a lot of sitcoms a yeah. lot of times. Like, I've watched Community at least twice, if not three times. Hmm. Maybe I should watch Community next. I had, like, people over to my apartment <laughs> and were like, let's watch Community, and we watched, like, an entire season. It's a great show. Yeah. Oh, man, shoot. I should watch Community soon. Community's good. I don't know if you can stream it anywhere. Is it not on Netflix? It might be. I don't know. I have the first three seasons on DVD. Mm. If you would like to borrow my DVDs, do you have them ripped to your? I do actually. Yeah, I do have them. How's that project coming? Uh, it is coming along. It is not done, but it is. I'm probably in the last twenty percent. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I have finished all of the shelves in the living room. I'm now doing the buckets. So I don't know if you know this. Under our living room, ta- under our our table, there are these 
like almost like wine crate. Like nothing should be stored in buckets. It's not a bucket. It's a box. It's like a wooden fancy <laughs> crate. But I think of it as a bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, and those have a bunch. And I finished one of the two of those. Mm-hmm. And then everything that's left is in the bedroom, um, which is a relatively small amount of space. Like it's about as much as what is your shelf space under your TV right now. Yeah, you're close. Like that's about what I've got left. Your computer's going to be so happy when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm have to. I have to get uh, a remote setup for the Raspberry Pi. Like I don't have a remote control for it yet. Mm. So I'm going to get a, a little wireless keyboard to be able to run stuff off of it. Because right now I'm using a wired keyboard when I'm manipulating it. Right. But the wired keyboard is maybe two feet long. <laughs> that doesn't work from the couch very well. Um, what other television have I watched? So I watched the Carmichael one yeah. and two of Carmichael. Um, and then Game of Thrones started. Yeah, you still watching that? Yeah, so I did my HBO subscription. Uh, I've watched, was it three? I think, three I think episodes, there's three, three yeah. episodes of Game of Thrones. I I'm not like a watch it on Sunday night yeah. person, uh, but like Monday or Tuesday or whatever, I'll get around to watching yeah. it. Um, uh, John Oliver's latest episode was real funny, by the way. Yeah. He, he goes on Alex Jones. Not like on Alex Jones, but he goes off on Alex Jones. Mm. I. The John, what's the what's the show called? Last Week Tonight. Last Week Tonight. I have conflicting feelings about it. Really? Yes. I think it's really good. Because like, it's funny and good and smart, but then... I don't watch it. Yeah. So my only exposure to it is all the like, just like, like dumb, way too full of themselves, like think they're way cleverer than they are, like liberals on Twitter who love to talk about how genius John Oliver is. And like, yeah, I don't talk to them. <laughs> like, so I just want to watch John Oliver and enjoy it. Yeah. Like my only exposure is via yeah like annoying people who were like this is so good if you watch this like like you can't be a conservative if you watch this i don't think that's true i think i think john oliver preaches to the choir sometimes a little too much yeah um but i enjoy his show and i think he is very funny yeah like yes he's hilarious and it's well written and it's well yeah Yeah. it's a it's a great show but no i can i can see that being an annoying takeaway of john oliver yeah it's the kind of thing that annoying people also love yeah um this is the fight club problem yeah he's even talked about like the headlines like john oliver destroys so-and-so or eviscerates something else is like that's no that's, yeah. no yeah i'm a tweety british man like, <laughs> i'm not destroying anything um yeah so i've been doing game of thrones yeah which is it's just fine <laughs> did you see neil's response no I uh, after it. the first episode he tweeted out like that was a fine episode of television and people hated him for it. Uh, his, his actual review, I didn't read because I don't care. Um, <laughs> but it was the only negative review on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Really? At least at, at, at for a while. I don't know if it's still the case, but, um, and people like lambasted him for it. I mean, you're You have the huge problem of it's, uh, just unbelievably anticipated. Oh yeah. And, uh phantom menace problem right where yeah. people watch it and like it wasn't bad right like yeah it's not a bad show the episode, it's not it's not nearly as good as it was the episode wasn't bad but like people are so eager for it mm-hmm. that they watch it and they go yes that was amazing that was amazing right i knew it was going to be amazing and it was and then i watched it and it was amazing but like the, sh- the show is fine yeah it's fine the the show is valuable in that like 
it's the story it's telling is good. Mm-hmm. Like I care about what's happening, mm-hmm. but like I don't like the show's interpretation of that story and how it's how it's going about telling that story. Yeah, like I want to be aware of the events. Yeah, but I just wish it would different thing was telling it would be really cool if there was like a series of books where you could just read what happened without having to worry about like if it was shot well or if it makes sense to keep going or there's or there you could just do go through to your own pace you don't have to wait this week to week episode to episode sort of thing i think the medium that's actually best suited for this story is dance yeah i can get behind that yeah i'd like a and is there such thing as epic dance like epic poetry uh, not that I know of, because the epic was epic meant this type of poem. Mm-hmm. So, like, it would a dance would be a different thing. Um, I want to create that format of dance. Yeah, I would like to tell a years long story through dance that is, you know, the, its written version is hundreds of thousands of words, millions of words. Uh, it's probably close to millions, if not there yet. Yeah. Uh, but through like a day long dance. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Anyway, Game of Thrones is fine. Yeah. Um, okay. I have one. This is not like an actual criticism of the show. I know I get that this is a television show and then they need to do things to make television work. Yeah. But I have one pet peeve. Yeah. Lay it on me. Uh, episode two and three. Uh huh did this very bad and game of thrones has done this plenty of times in the past uh-huh. but episode two two and three of this latest season six season six seven seven was very blatant so they do a thing where in season in episode two yeah um daenerys mm-hmm. summons Jon snow mm-hmm. to visit her yeah and ice and fire man ice and fire Jon snow is at winterfell yeah way up north yeah. Daenerys is at Dragonstone. Is she, is, is she on the continent? Has she crossed the ocean? Well, she's on Dragonstone. I don't is, know what Dragonstone, Dragonstone is. Dragonstone is an island in the bay. Okay. So, so she's But like, she's crossed the ocean. She's crossed the ocean, but she's on the island. She okay. has not started her invasion okay. or whatever cool. she's going to do. Yeah. I'm like, I, she was still, people were still screaming pizza at her last time I saw. <laughs> <laughs> um. So she sum- summons Jon Snow. Uh-huh. Right. And so the previous episode, you see Jon Snow. did he die? And I'm, and he's gonna he's gonna he decides to respond and he's yeah. and he's gonna leave and that's leave like the wall is bad it's how bad. don't leave the wall well winterfell he's at winterfell oh, is it winterfell he yes. left the wall yes he's king in the north at winterfell what yes he's a bastard child he shouldn't be i'm 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 pretending to be outraged i don't actually care about any of this <laughs> Neither do I. That's the problem is like I'm watching the show and I want to know the story. I just don't care about it. Do you know, do you know the fan theory about his lineage? Is that he's actually Daenerys' brother or yeah. something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. He's not actually Ned Stark's son. Yeah. 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 Ned Stark took dishonor upon himself to, to protect pretend him. he had a yeah. bastard. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good as fan theories go. I like it. But I don't care about fan theories. I don't care about this show. Um, you know, I didn't care about the show, and then you know what I did? Stopped watching. <laughs> I can't do that. Um. Okay, so new episode. This came yeah. out this past Sunday. Episode three. The 
introduction. So the Game of Thrones does like here's ten minutes with these characters. Here's ten minutes with these yes. characters. Right. So whether or not you need to spend ten minutes with these characters, you're gonna do it. So it's Jon Snow time. Yeah. Jon Snow's on Dragonstone. Cool. He's there. Good. He's gonna meet Daenerys. He's getting off a boat. Yeah. And he's walking onto shore and he does the introduction and him and Daenerys meet and they do some stuff. Yeah. It's a big moment. I feel like the entire show has been leading up to that moment. It wasn't. (laughs) Like it was it wasn't it wasn't like dramatic. Yeah. Uh, there was a fun thing where they're like walking along some battlements to the castle. Yeah. And then uh, John gets swooped by a dragon and like freaks out. That's cute. And everyone else is like, you'll get used to it. Yeah, it's dragons. And he's like, dragons. Uh, so, Winterfell, mm-hmm. to Dragonstone, one episode. Yeah. Like, not even episode. Like, yeah. end of an episode to beginning of an episode. Yeah, he shows up. That's like, I don't know my geography of Westeros too well, but I'm pretty sure that's hundreds of miles away. I mean, it's it's at least a few weeks travel. Right, That yes, that is a journey through land and sea that would take multiple weeks. Yeah. Um. But in all the other timelines, yeah, all the other characters are all in different places doing their things. There yeah. is no like a couple of weeks later, and we it's rejoin just our like characters. The last ten minutes. It's it's just like, you know, you know what I mean. Like Arya falls asleep and wakes up the next morning and starts doing her stuff. Yeah. But Jon Snow ends one episode, and the next episode he's weeks later. Yeah. So like all of the timelines are on their own pace. Right, but like there isn't like. Yeah, everyone is experiencing time at different speeds. Yeah. And I get that, like, there is... It would destroy the show to try to be like, well, let's have Jon Snow traveling for a couple episodes. Books did it. (laughs) Well, that's because there's... There is no pretense of, like, proper length in the books. In terms of... Right, like, the books are like, well, we're going to follow Jon Snow while he travels for a couple weeks because he doesn't care how many books there are or how many words he writes. <laughs> right, like... If he there, can write as many words as he wants. If There have been times where the show has followed people traveling, but that was the point. Yeah, well, season one, like, half of season one was, was Eddard Stark heading to... Right, but yeah. lots of stuff was happening along the way and you were learning all the characters oh, along yeah. the way. Or, like, a couple seasons ago when, um, like, Arya and the Hound... Mm-hmm. We're traveling, we're traveling around yeah. and, and uh, like Jamie and Brienne were yeah, traveling around. Yeah. And it was like, like the travel was part of the story. And it was like buddy comedy. Yeah. Time. Forgiven value of buddy. Yeah. Like, and it's, oh, you got these two people and they're traveling around doing their fun stuff together. And these two people travel mm-hmm. around and we're learning about the characters and they yeah. get to interact and they, in fun and ways. They do events. But there's nothing to tell in the story of John traveling. The only important thing that happens is next he gets is there. he gets there. So the show is just like, he's there. He's there now. That's important. Yeah. But I watch it and I go, what happened in those weeks? Yeah. is Did everyone else actually skip ahead some weeks and we just don't know what they were doing during that time? Yeah. Or well, the like, timelines are so wonky on that show anyway. Right. The, yeah. the show just completely throws out that there's any like logical time flow. Yeah. It's just... Each character does stuff and then does their next thing. Yes. And if we need to eliminate time logically just, between them, we do because yeah. we just need to show their next thing. Yeah. And like, it's this weird balance of like, shows can do that because they're television shows. Mm-hmm. There isn't value in like adhering to some like strict logical time rules yeah. for realism. You just want to tell a story. Mm-hmm. But also, it seems symptomatic of like the like a bigger problem of game of thrones that like they don't care they're kind of just throwing 
it together. Yes. Like, they don't care about... Anything. About, like, making something whole. Yeah. Making a work of art. Right. It's just, we have a story to tell, and we just have to tell the story. Yeah. And we have 10 hours to do it. We just have to find a way to do it. Yeah. So they do. It's interesting because I think um, Westworld used that to their advantage in their storytelling. In that it was very difficult mm. in Westworld to tell when the different stories were happening in relationship to each other. Mm. And that was actually an intentional part on the creator's true thing. Yeah. Like the fact that William's story was happening when it was in comparison to everything else that was going on was intentionally very unclear. And the time passages and, you know, how, how much time had passed between event A and event B was intentionally very vague. Mm. And I think they could do that because of the expectations that had been set by really by Game of Thrones, not like by shows like Game of Thrones, just by Game of Thrones doing that. There aren't shows like Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, Westworld is, is in HBO's mind, certainly the successor to Game of Thrones. It's, you know, the, sh- the next big show after Game of Thrones should be this thing. We have decided it. <laughs> and Quality be damned. And so it will be. <laughs> yeah. It's been declared. And, and that's really how it feels. Yeah. But I think they could use the fact that people were familiar with the storytelling methodologies of Game of Thrones to intentionally obscure some of that in Westworld. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. I don't think Westworld's a better show because of that. I I feel like the reveal and the finale was wasted mm. and unnecessary. Man, I just really forgot about Westworld as soon as I stopped <laughs> watching it. Which says something. It's just like Game of Thrones. Like yeah. I get excited and I watch each episode as it comes out. But like I, right? Like I am not like paying attention to Game of Thrones news or like yeah. trailers or when it's like. You're not running an entire podcast about Game of Thrones. No, like I am not interested in like. Oh my god, Game of Thrones is coming back soon. Yeah. Or like it's Sunday, it's Game of Thrones. Like yeah, I don't. Why? Why do I watch that show? I don't know. Especially since you're so like deliberate with your television choices. It's the only show currently airing that I watch when it airs. Yeah. Or like close to when it airs. Yeah. I mean, as you're reasonably for our modern millennial I think age. It's, I think it's just completionism. Yeah. I think I just have to finish. Man. And there are like, there are, there are good things about the show. Like it does have good moments. I yeah. do like some stuff. Sure. I mean, it's not like it's fallen into, you know, being garbage TV. It feels like, um, I used, when I was younger, I used to read Michael Crichton books. Yeah. Have you read Michael Crichton? I've books? read Michael Crichton books. And like, it feels like that. Like, it's like, <laughs> this isn't really that good. But like, I know something exciting is going to happen and I just kind of want to find out. Yeah. So I'll just read it. Like, yeah. I'll get through it. Yeah. I felt like that about a lot of Michael Crichton books. Jurassic Park is a masterpiece. The rest of them are. I've never read Jurassic Park. The rest of them are like, kind of silly pulp. i did read uh, state of fear his climate change denialism book i read that too it was uh, real <laughs> real delusional <Yeah. laughs> did you ever read um prey i think it's yeah called? i liked prey praise the nanobot the swarm yeah, i liked prey i think that book is responsible for why i have a phobia of swarms that's reasonable i would have that yeah like, i could see that when when Ellen and I were driving home from Dallas, this mm-hmm. is the other shitty thing about Dallas. I'm not done yet, Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> we're just driving down the highway. Yeah. She's driving. I'm in the passenger seat and I look out, I look out the window and I like freak <laughs> out. 
because there is a like not just like oh look at those birds moving around there is a like swarm thousands <laughs> strong swarm of small birds and they are like full on doing their doing big, that bird thing giant bird swarm thing and I like I screamed and like I would almost crash she was like what what's happening like she thought like I was screaming about something yeah, in the something, road something that was worth screaming about yeah and I was like the birds and she looked and she was like oh okay yeah I guess that's creepy <laughs> Yeah, that book messed me up. Yeah, we got to get you to watch Birdemic. That will make you not ever afraid of <laughs> birds' forms again. Um, the opposite reaction. The birds, though, doesn't scare me. No, it's a different it's, different thing. It's different somehow. Yeah. Um, if I watch anything else, oh, with uh, n- now that I'm I'm subscribed to HBO while Game yeah. of Thrones is on, so I watched season four of Silicon Valley. Yeah, which is funny. I have I have tried a few times to get into Silicon Valley and I just bounce off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you attached or like interested in like real life Silicon Valley culture? No. Okay. Cuz I I'm I like Mike Judge. Like I like his body of work. Yeah. But I've I for whatever reason I don't know, I just I I've watched maybe the first half of the first season. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Didn't do it for over you? over like a few years now of like watching an episode here and there, and I never get done and go, yeah, I want to watch more of that. Hmm. So I don't I don't know what it is that I'm bouncing off of there. I think I think the show is v- it's very specific. Yeah, it it, it is that like it is definitely it, the that. humor is about Silicon Valley mm-hmm. and tech startups and that yeah. world. And if you don't care or know about that world, it's just not. Yeah, I just don't think it'll be funny or interesting. I do want that one guy's job that he got at not Google, where he had to sit. He just gets to sit on the roof all day. <laughs> yeah, in in this season, he applies to Stanford. Yeah, and then um, they make him a professor <laughs> because of his like resume. Yeah, because he like was a big shot at Hooli. Yeah, not Google, not Google at the not Google. Um, but. I think the show is very funny. It's not, um, it doesn't have any rewatchability. Yeah. Like I don't want to watch it again. Yeah. But I really, I think it's, enjoy it as I you think go. it's hilarious. And like, I'm, I currently have like a minor obsession with, um, what's going on at Uber. Yeah. Lately. Like yeah. I, I follow a lot of people and I, I follow a lot of like Silicon Valley news just for the like ridiculous drama and despair of like just how, how terrible Uber's going. Just complete, like, Uber as the, like, model, like, the distilled model of it, but just, like, San Francisco tech, cu- tech culture. It's a synecdoche. Is, yes, is just a nightmare. Yeah. And I think that's hilarious yeah. and sad. And I think the show makes that funny. Instead in a, of just sad. In a pretty good way. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying what's going on at Uber. Yeah. Uber's an absolute. I'm not paying enough attention to it. I mean, I, I hear the big highlights and stuff, but um the 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 best part recently is um Travis Kalanick, the CEO, yeah. resigned like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Right? I remember that vaguely. Um his so the, the genuinely sad and upsetting part is his mother died and his father was seriously hurt in mm-hmm. like a freak boating accident, oh. right? Yeah. Um and then his company was also in turmoil. Yeah. And his investors forced him out. 
Ooh. Like he was kind of forced to resign by some, yeah. some of the main investors in the I company. I mean, it's, it's a garbage company, so. Yeah. And so he was like, he did the whole, like, I'm resigning mm-hmm. because of personal tragedy and I'm yeah. going to go spend time with my family. And he's instead, like, back channeling and plotting his return. Oh, trying to pull a Steve Jobs. And, and he has literally told. So he's still, so he's still on the board. Oh, good. right. Yeah. And he, and the board is all factioned and yeah. he controls certain people on the board and like other people control parts of the, like it's, it's like a crazy war between yeah. these different groups and all these varying interests and all their varying investors. And Travis is part of the board committee to pick the new CEO, mm-hmm. which seems like a pretty bad idea to me, but what do I know? <laughs> I don't run a tech company. Ex CEO be on the board. And like they have had many different candidates for CEO and they've all been like, nah, no thanks. <laughs> like after they've gotten partway through the process. Yeah. I would say no. If they offered me CEO of Uber, I mean, I would, I would say yes, but only so I could then dismantle Uber. Yes. And I, I would, would probably say that in the interview. I would say yes too. Because I could work there for a week and make enough money for the rest of my life. I mean, there's that too. That would be all right. Um, yeah, so I'm going to say yes. Take your salary and then dismantle, and dismantle the Uber. <laughs> um, but he has literally told people. Yeah. And like numerous publications have reported this from different sources that he is, quote, Steve Jobsing <laughs> right now. Oh, man. Like he's trying to work with. I mean, Steve Jobs didn't even Steve Jobs. No. Like Steve Jobs was kicked out of Apple and then started his own company and did that. Yeah. Steve Jobsing it is like having such a side project become your main thing that you start Pixar. Yeah. <laughs> like, go go start a small animation studio, Travis Kalanick. And then, <laughs> That's how you Steve Jobs it. And then it. you can be Steve Jobsing it. Um, but... He's apparently plotting with a massive Japanese firm called SoftBank, okay, which does huge investments in companies like Uber and sure. around the world and stuff. And he's trying to get them to like buy up a bunch of his allies' shares and then make a massive investment in the company so he can come in and have and a controlling own, oh, stake man. in the board again and appoint himself CEO again. Wow. And like... And then the rest of the board is like trying to make this not happen. Sure. While they're also trying to like just straight up pick a new CEO yeah. before he can like. Yeah, I don't think he knows what Steve Jobs did. No, and I saw someone, uh, I probably won't be able to find this for the show notes, but yeah. someone made the comment that like everyone who says that they want to be like Steve Jobs never actually understands what his like actual admirable and successful qualities were yeah like they just say i can be a mean asshole to everybody (laughs) exactly there's other the other parts of steve jobs were what made him good and successful yeah being a mean asshole was an unfortunate side effect (laughs) yes was the bad part yeah and travis kalanick is successful and only has the mean asshole part (laughs) yeah that's rough I'm gonna I'm gonna be be very gleeful and happy when this company finally burns itself yeah, down. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Uh, so Silicon Valley, mm. Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Carmichael Show, Carmichael Show. Um, so I'm 
aside from Game of Thrones, I have nothing ongoing. Yeah. I haven't started a new thing. Ooh. Um, I've got a big giant list in Netflix. Absolutely. Who doesn't? Um, so there's probably something there. I might accept your recommendations. I will not accept The Simpsons or Star Trek because those are too much of an of an investment. They're also I mean, you can't even... Yeah, uh, Star Trek is. Oh, okay. All of Star Trek is on Netflix. No, no it's not. Never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. You're just denying the existence <laughs> yep. of Star Trek. Um, I did watch a stand-up special yeah that i really liked who's uh it's by a guy named hassan minaj i watched that one you liked it it was amazing i watched it on the flight to Asheville. oh nice yeah it was a very strange stand-up special it's the kind i like yeah it was um very like story and emotion driven yeah Right, it was about uh, it was it was a stealth monologist. Yeah, so performance. This, so this guy Hassan Minaj is a the son of an. Was he born in America? I don't know. Hassan, I believe was Hassan born was born. Yeah, but his, so his father was born in India, uh, moved to America. Hassan was born in America, so he grew up like as an American, but you know, in a brown Indian, immigrant Indian family. Household, yeah. family. Um, and the special was telling stories about like his childhood and growing up as yeah. a son of a brown immigrant and an yeah. immigrant family and um ton, just tons of great stories mm-hmm. the jokes were hilarious um, a great arc to it like the literally like the beginning middle and end all flowed really well yeah and he had like the, the like good like nice serious somber stuff about yeah. 11 mm-hmm. um and his style like i the first thing i noticed was he wasn't holding a microphone yeah he was using a lav yeah. Which is very weird for stand up. It comedy. is. Well, again, that's, that's, you know, who does that is monologists. Right. People who do solo performances. Right. And this was very solo performance y. Like, he was, like, physically, he was moving around the stage a lot. Mm-hmm. He was, like, jumping up on the things. Yeah. And there was, there, it was choreographed. There yeah. Was, there was blocking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The blocking with the cameras and the lights and everything. Yeah. Uh, there was. Uh, there were slides? Slide, yeah. Like, imagery, <laughs> imagery on a big screen behind him yeah. to, you know, annotate his stories. Um, it, his energy felt very much like um, Aziz Ansari. Mm-hmm. Aziz Ansari has less monologist, yeah, but very like hyper, yes. like intense. I love like, Aziz. Have you been watching Master of None? I haven't seen the new season. I, I've just started it, but it's real good. Um, but like, right, like Aziz like jumps up and down and is loud and like yeah. all over the place. Like he yeah. gets really into his his stand up, and so this guy felt very much like that. Um. The the one like big thing that my brain did yeah during during the special, um, it was like an hour and ten minutes, hour and fifteen yeah. minutes, something like that. And I remember at like minute forty five, mm-hmm. I had this thought just like burst into my head, and I was like, "This is hilarious. I don't relate to any of it." Mm-hmm. And the only reason I don't relate to any of it is because. I'm not brown, yeah. but I am the son, son of an, agri- of an immigrant. Of an immigrant. Yeah. Like I felt, I was like, I should be relating to more of this. Yeah. Like my life and his life on paper have a lot of similarities. <laughs> Except for that skin color. <laughs> right. And, and that was the thing I thought. I was like, wow, like I f- did not grow up feeling very much like the son of an immigrant. Yeah. Right. I was just, a white American family. Yeah. Because like 
and my dad immigrated and lived in is very much Venezuelan, mm-hmm. just happens to be white Portuguese. Yeah. So like, like, I mean, my dad has an accent, but that's like his only betraying factor. Mm-hmm. And he says monies instead of money. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so we should all say monies. Still make fun of them. It's like uh, how British people say maths. <laughs> yes. Instead of maths. maths. I love, I love saying math. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the best Britishisms. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that thought burst into my head. I was like, this is hilarious. But like, I don't like, man, like I don't really relate to much of this. And I was like, oh my God, I should relate to more of this. <laughs> right. And that's like one of the yeah. points of the, the standup is like his experience is, is unique, is, is unique, unique and, but like distinct to his, to being the right. child of an immigrant. Yeah, like lots yeah. of you in the audience don't get this and I'm yeah. telling it to you because... Oh, he does make references to the people in the audience who do get it. He'll, yeah. like, he'll make a very obscure joke and like six people will laugh and he'll be yeah. like, yeah, them. Yeah, you guys. <laughs> and, uh, he, and he has a lot of refrains and, uh, and uh, things that he's saying in um, the Indian language that he speaks. Yes. Is that Indian? I don't know. What is, the there there are a multiplicity of languages spoken in India, and I yeah. do not know which one he speaks or which ones are common. Yeah, I'm a white American. I don't have to. Yeah, and I feel bad about it a little bit. But like, yeah, he has he, like he has these refrains, and you, you can hear the people in the audience who are like, yeah, gotcha. I got it. I got that joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I did, like that was the powerful moment for me. Like aside and completely regardless of that. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. It's a great show. It's a, yeah. it's a very really, funny. really, really good performance. Yeah. Um, I really liked that. And I might have told you about this in the past. This is one of the only stand-up specials I've ever re-watched. And, oh, I, wow. and I watched it again a couple months ago. Um, have you seen Ali Wong? Her, I haven't. I need to. It's been on my list for a while. Her special is called Baby Cobra. Yeah, and she's like pregnant? She's seven yeah. or eight months pregnant yeah. doing the show and wearing like a tight dress. Yeah, you know she's and, pregnant. And that's the whole deal yeah. is she's pregnant and she's doing jokes about being pregnant and yeah. being like getting married and being pregnant and you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it is the best stand-up special I've I've seen in the last like couple of years. Yeah. It is so good. And like everyone's like, Louis C.K. is the master of yeah. stand-up and his, like, right? Like, his specials are good and it's like, it's such a different kind of good. Yeah. Like, Louis C.K. is like the, like, master craftsman in his workshop who, like, produces this, like... Yeah. like he, he makes he makes a one joke that is, everything about it is absolutely beautiful and perfect. Right. Uh, but, like, Hasan Minaj's show and Ali Wong's special yeah. are just unbelievably funny. Yeah. Um, and like, I won't, I won't like retell any of the jokes or spoil any of it for you, but yeah. please go watch baby Cobra. Okay. It is so good. Yeah. Cause I, it's funny. I don't, I don't, and this is not like a bad thing. Amy doesn't do stand up comedy. It's no. not her jam. Um, and so like I, if I'm watching a stand up special, it's usually cause like Amy's out of town or I'm by myself. Yeah. Um, that's when I get to watch them. But that, that again, how I watched uh, Hassan Minaj homecoming King, I believe is what it was called. Yes. Homecoming King. Yeah. Cause um, he has the great story about the, like, oh, the that homecoming story, and, man, or the prom. Yeah. It was prom. Yeah, man. That, and that's like the last half of the show is mm-hmm. like the fallout of all of that. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, so like I was like on the I'm on the airplane. Oh, I get to watch stand up comedy because Amy's not here. Yeah, not that like she wouldn't mind watching it, but it's it's it, never she been just her doesn't channel. Care. Yeah, that's weird to me. I've always liked it. I have as well. So I I was first introduced to stand up comedy uh, through Jeff Foxworthy, mm. 
And I didn't know stand-up comedy was a thing. Like I didn't, I didn't understand that as an art form. But I had a friend who was like my neighbor who went over to his house and he played for me. Like I remember the, the album was Games Rednecks Play, which was Jeff Foxworthy's album that came out in like 95, 96. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a whole bit about um, the Olympics being in Atlanta, Georgia, and that's <laughs> like what the Olympics would be like if you were a redneck. Mm. And I didn't like, I understood like, okay, this is a guy like telling jokes and that's funny and, I, and the jokes are funny and I, I like them. But the idea of like stand-up comedy as an art form was completely alien to me. And so it wasn't- Because you didn't like, know other people did it too. Like I knew Weird Al does music that's funny because it's like it's a CD. <laughs> like there's a CD you put in your CD player and listen to, to jokes. And like, so well, Weird Al does that. It's Weird Al without the music. <laughs> but like this guy's just like saying jokes and people are laughing. Like who are those people? <laughs> Like I didn't, I didn't have any sort of like cultural reference for it before Jeff Foxworthy games Rednecks play. And I mm. bought that album and I listened to it a bunch and I can still tell you some of the jokes off that album. Not as well as Jeff Foxworthy could obviously, but, uh, no, you're not as good as Jeff Foxworthy. Eh, <laughs> I'm as good as Larry, the cable guy. Fair. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't think I heard another standup album for years. Hmm. Like I like this was just like this one unique thing. Um, now I'm now I'm a huge fan of stand up. I listen to a lot of yeah. stand up. I listen to them like when I'm at work. I'll put on a stand up album instead of like a music album. Yeah, listen to jokes. That's interesting. Like I don't. I never had a moment where I was like, oh, stand up comedy. That's a thing. Yeah. Like I don't know if I've had that with any, like art form. Or medium? Like the realization that this was this exists. Yeah. Like, but what's it like to be like a baby and you like watch a movie for the first time and you Yeah, you're but like, you do that when you're very, very young. Yeah. Like movies, music, TV, those are books are like around. Right. Um and stand up comedy is like it's it exists in a lot of spheres. Like you can watch it on TV. HBO's been doing stand-up specials forever. Right. You can go see the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, which is a movie. Like you can see that in a movie theater. You can just go to a bar and see a stand-up comedian. Like this exists in a lot of different spaces. Right. You can buy books by stand-up comedians. Mm. Like Jeff Foxworthy's got books that he's written. He's got like the You Might Be a Redneck books, but like almost every major stand-up comedian has a quote-unquote memoir that's just like their set written down. <laughs> yeah. When I realized that, I stopped buying stand-up comedian books. Uh, I was like, this is just all the jokes he said on stage, but in a book. But in prose. Yeah. And then there's like TV shows by stand-up comedians. Yeah, like your Seinfeld, your Raymond's, like your like Roseanne's, another good example. Yeah. Uh, your or Home Improvement with Tim Allen. Yeah. Where it's like we're taking the, the core of this character they portray on stage and making that into a, a larger thing, but I had never—I've never seen Tim Allen do stand-up. Mm. But I grew up watching Home Improvement, right? Uh, Roseanne—I've never seen do stand-up, but I grew up watching Roseanne. Like right. I knew those characters, I knew who they were, and that was the dream—was getting your own sitcom as a stand-up comedian. Like that was the pinnacle. Yeah, because then you got real money. Yeah, yeah. Which is Gerard Carmichael's a stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. and I don't really like his comedy. I haven't seen him do. Uh, he's got there's an HBO special I watched and I like I got bored with it halfway through. Hmm. He he's a little bit uh, like too edgy for the sake of being edgy. Gotcha. Which is funny because it made me like his character on the Carmichael show a little bit less. Well, his character on the Carmichael show has a couple episodes where he's like 
obnoxious. Yeah. yeah oh, he, yeah. Like, he's a little edgy, right? Yeah. He has to be, right? Like, he's the, like, there was the episode where he's revealed to, like, be an internet troll. Yeah. Yeah. For fun. Yeah. Which is, you wouldn't, I would not have, it, it seemed very against the character. Yeah. But, like, those sorts of things, made, like, in his stand-up, would made me kind of feel like, eh, I don't know if I like you as a person, but that's okay. Your show's still yeah. good. Um, but, yeah, no, I discovered stand-up comedy as an art form. Which was pretty cool. And yeah. and there were like, I remember remembering, I remember he like hearing jokes and f- figuring out that there was a visual component. Mm. Like he was doing something on stage that I couldn't see that people were responding to. If it was as little as like a facial expression or a gesture. Yeah. Like they're laughing at something, but I can't tell what. Or they would laugh and there would be a pause and then an additional laugh. Like the laughter would grow again because he told a joke and then did a funny gesture. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was going like, "What? I wonder what he's doing." And like <laughs> trying to figure out like what is that moment. Mm. Um, I also think because I did discover stand up comedy in that way, that it led to being a student of stand up comedy more than anything else because I was continually discovering mm. and having to sort of rediscover. I don't know if you know this, um, but I started writing a one man show in high school. Hmm. that was strongly influenced by the idea of stand-up comedy and sort of the idea of being able to go on stage by yourself for 60 to 90 minutes and talk. And what does that look like and how does it work? Um, hmm. It was, I'm sure, terrible. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a one-man show you started writing in high school. Yeah, The ones I've written since are much better. <laughs> it's only half a joke. <laughs> Only kind of a little bit of a joke. I'm sure they are better. Yeah. Who knows if they're good? Yeah. I'm sure they're pretty good. I don't know. But like that's, that was always like, that's something I would, I would still love to become a stand up comedian or become a monologist like, like Spalding Gray mm. does mm. really. Have you ever seen any Spalding Gray stuff? No, but I'm like, from you're aware of it. Or, yeah. um, I mean, that was a guy sitting at a table with a microphone and just being captivating. Yeah. And that was, all storytelling. So it's sort of the other end. So you've got your, you've got your Stephen Wrights. You've got, you know, your, your people who come on stage and tell a joke and they tell another joke and they tell another joke. And then you've got, you know, your, your Hassan Minajas who tell stories that have jokes in them that have punchlines. Yeah. Um, and then you've got, you know, the, the far end of that is honestly, um, Oh, what's his name? Thank God for jokes. Um, uh, yeah, you know, you're real mad because you can't remember his name either. Shoot, he did. Um, Mike Berbiglia. Mike Berbiglia. <laughs> oh, thank. I loved Thank God for Jokes. I didn't finish it. I need to finish it. Oh. But I, but um, like, I didn't. I didn't enjoy Thank God for Jokes as much as I enjoyed uh, My Girlfriend's Boyfriend. Because when I saw My Girlfriend's Boyfriend, I realized, oh, we just call him a stand-up comedian because <laughs> it's easy to call him that instead of. What, anything else. else yeah because that because like it's like oh no he's just telling a well-crafted story that but, sometimes you laugh at right with a bunch of laugh lines yeah like he's not a comedian because i was i was always very much or early when i was early in my discovery of stand-up comedy i loved your dimitri martins your stephen wrights these guys who told these perfectly crafted one-liners right you know, I finally finished the dictionary, reading the dictionary. Turns out the zebra did it. <laughs> like that's sort of just like, 
one-liner. It's just perfect. Yeah, there's nothing Nothing builds up to that. No. Nothing follows it. There's it's just no... It's own little thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sorry and I apologize mean the same thing, unless you're at a funeral. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Dimitri Martin joke. Like, there's no context. He's, there's no personality there. There's no personality. No, there's none. There's that's zero a, personality. And that's there. his whole shtick is he yeah. is just dead and dry and, and just tells jokes. Says the words that are that are funny. funny. Yeah. Um, and so I really liked those. And so it was only later that I and I got mad at your Mike Birbiglia's, uh, your George Carlin's. Mm. Like I got mad. George Carlin doesn't tell jokes. George Carlin does bits. Yes. And his bits are really good. I have now come to appreciate them, but I had to sort of get over the hump that. I was mad because well he's not a stand-up comedian he's not telling jokes right he's he's doing something else and I was like well that's okay we can just call it stand-up comedy yeah and like and what your brain is trying to do is just carve it up into set up punchline set up yeah. punchline yeah and you that's how I understood comedy and jokes and that's still true of what Mike Bergamiglia does and what George Carlin does and what Hassan Hassan Minaj. Yeah, I've had more of this wine than you have, and I can feel it. <laughs> a little bit. Um, Hassan Minaj does. Well, it's like um, I never actually learned how to do this in school, and I kind of wish I did. You know, um, when you can like, uh, like plot or graph a sentence, like you take a sentence and you can like diagram diagram a sentence. Yeah, I never learned how to do that either. Um, but like, my mother feels bad about it right now. <laughs> Like as she's listening to this, she's a little bit sad that she never taught us how to diagram a sentence. Um, it's like it seems like an actually like very cool skill, but right, like the the diagram of a joke for Dimitri Martin mm-hmm. is so easy to do. Right? Absolutely, it's very simple. Set up punchline. Set up punchline. Like there's not any complications. Expectation in there. subversion of expectation. Like maybe there's like one like little yeah. detour in there somewhere. But Louis C.K. has got a lot of detours. Right, right, and that's the thing. Like Louis C.K is like is weaving yeah right he can do one and he's, and he's got a setup and a punchline but he he makes little things happen between those two right and then like and there's like threads between the little things so yeah. that a future big thing is, is even attached funnier. to yeah. all these pre- like and so the diagramming of that is way more complicated yes. and then something like mike Birbiglia is there is no set up punchline mm-hmm. it's just like this really like weaving big threaded story yeah and it goes in unexpected places but and then every once in a while and you can't really like map it out but an expectation is subverted yes and so, and so you laugh in a new part of the story and so you laugh yeah. at it but it's not just like oh there was that joke yeah yeah well and, and it can be little things like you know so my wife said you know hey mo my name is mike like those those yeah. sorts of like like that's a that's funny not because his name's mike it's funny because it, it illustrates their relationship and their closeness and you learn about who they are as a couple that they call each other fake names. Yeah. Which I totally believe Mike Probiglia and his wife call each other <laughs> fake names. Um, and that's, is that, is that funny? Cause it's not funny because it's not their name. It's funny because that's who they are and that shows, right. that shows that. And so, yeah, I absolutely agree. I, um, I really liked, the, and this seems like a, almost like a weakness in my personality. Uh-huh. I really liked Thank God for Jokes yeah. because it's it's the 
this might this is probably not a great example, but I watched it fairly recently. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the Prestige is like a movie about movies. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like it's about magicians, but like it's but a, it's really about it's movies. about making movies. Yeah, it's about how Christopher Nolan likes to make movies. Absolutely. Uh, like, thank God for jokes is about how much Mike Birbiglia loves comedy. Yes, like it's about what Absolutely. comedy means to him and how important stand up comedy is, and like. Right, like that whole thing. Yeah, like, I yeah. love watching some someone appreciate a thing in the medium of the thing. That's very cool. Like, yes, I agree. And it's so much that. And like, I watched that, and I was like, "Yes, thank God for jokes. Jokes are so good. Jokes are great. Jokes make the world good." Like, yeah. So, absolutely, it's a nice sentiment. And did you watch uh, his newest movie? No, uh, no. Don't think twice. No, it's much better than his first movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've heard of that. Um, it's he's in it. He's not. I w- it doesn't have a main character. It's an ensemble piece. Um, it's about an improv troupe mm. where one of the actors kind of maybe makes it big. I've seen a trailer for that. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, it's got lots of uh, good actors in it and funny people. Tormenting your dog. Um, but I. it's a much better film than Sleepwalk With Me was. Mm. Sleepwalk With Me is not a good movie. It's a good stand-up special. It's mm-hmm. a good story he told on This American Life. It might be a good book. Uh, it is not a good movie. I don't know if I've seen the movie. It's not good. I saw the special. The special's better. Yeah, the special's funny. The special works because the movie is the exact same as the special, except you see the things happen. <laughs> so it doesn't, like, do more. No. Yeah. There are not, like, any more characters or any more depth than you get from watching him do it as a stand-up special. You don't necessarily need to be seeing it. No. Because him telling it is... Is better. Him telling it. Yeah. Um, but Don't Think Twice is really good. Um, all, it also gives you... If you don't know anything about improv, it gives you some interesting in- insight into how improv works. Mm. Which is another one of those art forms that I've discovered and been really fascinated by as sort of this unique thing that exists um, that is sort of outside of other mediums. I'm very, like, detached and unaware of improv. Improv is really fascinating. Like, it seems... Like... I just think about it and I'm like, no, that seems too scary. I think I would just get like anxious watching improv. You can, that can happen. Um, cause I, I've watched really since I moved to Austin, I watched a fair amount of improv cause I would, I would go see Marv whenever his troupe would perform. I'd see him like once a month. I didn't know he did improv. Oh, he's real good. Yeah. Really? He's, real good. He, oh. he's not performing right now. He's been doing improv for like 20 years. Wow. That's funny. I didn't yeah. know that. Um, he's been in a couple different groups and he, he had a, uh, headline show at a theater here in town for like a year. <laughs> um, and so some of us would go see him like once a month. We'd go see his show. Nice. Um, and he's, he's real good. Um, he's very Marv. Like who he is is who he is on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very funny. His troop is right. And they, they broke up and stopped performing together. And so I don't know if he's doing it right now. But um, yeah, so I've, I've seen a lot of improv. And I'm fascinated by improv and the different ways you can make improv work. Uh, and and really long form improv is way more interesting to me than than your uh, whose lines, mm. whose lines are funny like that the sort of like comedy sports like very short form improv. Where it makes, it's like, I think it makes really good television. It makes really good television. Like I love watching whose line, but watching two people craft a forty five minute long story starting from nothing that seems impossible in front of you. Is amazing. Like I think, like improv has to be the hardest 
form of comedy. Yeah. Well, you there are tricks, there are rules, there are things you learn about it. There there are literally right, like there's rules tactics of and strategies yeah. and stuff, but yeah. That's have you've heard the phrase yes and? Yeah, that right. comes from That's, improv. Yeah. yeah. Um, those sorts of things. Yeah, like you never say no yeah. because well, and, you can't and, be funny. Yeah, and you can go beyond that and actually set up the other person for something. It's about not hogging the spotlight. It's about working together. Mm -hmm. to you, it's called giving gifts. So you give your partner a gift in improv so that they can do something funny mm. rather than trying to just be the only funny person the entire time. Things like that. Yeah. Um, and there, there are a bunch of two person improv groups in Austin. Mm -hmm. We have three different improv theaters here in town. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Um, but like the, the most common form that I've seen for long form improv is the two person group. We just two people who work really hard to get to know each other and how to work together on stage and they will just walk out on stage, maybe take a, a word or a phrase or something from the audience. Maybe not. There's a, you can find it on YouTube still. Uh, you know the Sonic commercials with the two guys in the car? No. You don't watch commercials. You don't watch TV. No. There's a, the, I, like if you want to ask me about commercials from like the late 90s, early 2000s, I probably covered. got yeah. you. So but. Sonic, the, the restaurant, has a long running series of commercials with two guys in cars. Is this related to the Hedgehog? No. Okay. Different. Uh, see, that's a, that's a denial, which is bad in improv. I just <laughs> shut you down and didn't let you continue the joke. Uh, what I could have done instead is said, yeah, actually, so Sonic the Hedgehog sits in the car with this other comedian <laughs> and make up funny things to talk about. And often there's like a product they're promoting, but the majority of what they're talking about is improvised. And Sonic's really fond of like going fast and getting rings. This other guy's like more into like hot dogs since they talk about hot dogs mm, a lot. I do love uh, hot dogs. Which is confusing because you've got hot dogs plus hedgehogs. It's very confusing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> one of the two guys in the Sonic commercial that people who know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. Um, does two-person comedy shows. And he, and it's called Trust Us, We're Making This All Up or something along those lines. Trust Us, this is entirely made up. Um, and they actually filmed one of their sets, um, which you can find on YouTube mm -hmm. as, as a documentary about stand-up, or not stand-up, about improv. And it is. It's two guys who, with no prompts, no preparation, no nothing, just walk out on stage. Hmm. They do a blackout. They come up. And they go. And like a lot of a lot of improv groups have like a bit or a thing. You know, I knew someone who was in an improv group that did improvised Harlequin romance novels. Mm. And so there's a structure they often work in. But being able to just walk out on stage with somebody and go is an amazing skill. Yeah, it's it's just it's so beyond me yeah. that it just seems impossible. Mm -hmm. Like I can't. I couldn't understand. I could watch it, and I couldn't understand how it was happening. Yeah, which is like part of the magic of it. Oh, like, absolutely. Part of a beautiful performance is how you, is you going. I don't understand how yeah. this is. Working. Well, I think I think you would enjoy. Don't think twice because it gets into a lot of that and sort of talks about the magic of, yeah. of what it is to be an improv troupe, yeah. and and how do you do that? And like and the sort of the closest thing to a conflict in the film is one guy trying to sort of steal the spotlight to become more successful mm. and how that actually hurts the rest of the troop. And that, and like, yeah, like bigger picture, but also yeah. like on a stage when one person tries to be yeah. more than the others, like that's bad for improv comedy. It's absolutely terrible for yeah. improv comedy. And it's bad for friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's why I'm not the star of our podcast. Hmm. I would argue that what, again, this is probably super insulting to improv artists. 
Um, but what you and I do, you know, when we make jokes and have running gags and things like that is, is akin to improv and the idea that we're sort of on the same wavelength and we, I mean, we don't improvise this podcast. We sit down and, and make it up as we go. It shares a quality with improv in that it is unscripted. Yes. Like we are making this up yeah. off the top of our heads, but we are not like, we're not like crafting bits and jokes. Yes. We kind of just luck into them. Yeah. But I would, but I would say there are times when we do things that we build into jokes. I mean, couch talk is the great example yeah. of, <laughs> of something that we, we take a stupid one liner that one of us says and keep going with it mm-hmm. and build it into something more complex. <laughs> do you, I, uh, when I was editing our previous recording, this yeah. is, I laughed just as much as when we were in the middle of it. Do uh-huh. you remember suit woot and <laughs> hoot woot? And yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's yes ending. That's that's what that is. And we went through the entire alphabet until we ran out of things that rhymed with woot. Uh, you have participated in improv. You were on an episode of Fiasco. Hmm, that's a type of improv. It is. Uh, or catastrophic is the name of the podcast I host. I should remember the name of the thing I do. Yeah, that's improvisy. Yeah. And I remember feeling very bad at it. That's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be bad. That's an important thing to know. I mean, I don't... Yeah. Is anyone is anyone good at it yes. right away? No. There are people who are good at it, but not right away. Right. Like, Im- improv seems like the kind of thing... Like, how do you have a natural talent at it? I don't know that you do. Yeah. Because, because it is not something that people do every day. Like people might make jokes and, you know, crack wise at each other, but that's not the same as being an improvisational person. Right. Uh, but, you know, RPGs, tabletop role-playing games are yeah. improvisation. Yeah, you're totally uh, right. And there's, there's a lot about that. And the, you know, okay, there's rules around them that sort of structure what you can do. But with games like Fiasco, the rules are there, but they don't get in the way of your ability to, to do whatever you want. Um, that's an important thing to sort of keep in mind. And so I think if you were someone who played a lot of RPGs like Fiasco or other games as well, you would be, it's easier for you to step into something like improv because you have started practicing that mindset of right. going with whatever happenings. Yeah. Okay. Some, you know, b- taking the truth of whatever moment you're in being able to say like, okay, I've done this thing. And everyone goes, yep, you've done this thing. Now we're going to deal with that. And whatever whatever that is, you know, the first time I played Fiasco, uh, I shot a guy, like, in the third scene. Like, <laughs> I just, I pull out a gun and I shoot him. Yeah. Like, and it was within the context of the scene. And so, okay, it's like, okay, that's what happened. Like, there's not a questioning of, like, well, did that, does that make sense for the story? Or is that the right time to do that? It's like, no. It's just because that's someone what happened. said it happened, it happened. That's what you're doing. That's where things are going. And that's, I, that's again, one of the key points of being able to go with improv is being able to say, okay, this is the truth of the moment. This is what has happened. We're going to work with it. Not, not questioning or denying or interrogating those sorts of things can be really powerful. I think it's because like, like nothing is less funny than someone like figuring it out. Like someone like, like working on it. You know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine going to an improv show and seeing like 
tension between the performers. Oh yeah, that would be terrible. And like, right, like someone, like an obvious, like one person's trying to go in one direction, and the other's trying to go in another direction. Yeah, like there, you couldn't make something more uncomfortable unfunny. and yeah. unfunny than that. Like you, yeah. you just have to run with it. Yeah. There's no choice. Like if you have any, and that doesn't even make you funny. That just gives you the only chance possible to, to be move funny. towds being you funny. S- yeah. Then still have to work at being funny, make <laughs> funny jokes. Yeah. It's just, you don't have a choice. Like that's the thing is you have nothing but choice, but you don't have a choice, but to like just run with what, except what is given to, to you. Yeah. Said. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a kind of a classic, not a classic, a really good example of that in Don't Think Twice where uh, Mike Birbiglia's character is teaching improv classes. Because that's how you learn improv is you go to classes yeah. and you mm-hmm. practice and you and you rehearse, which is kind of like, what? You can rehearse improv? <laughs> of course you can. It's rehearsing the sort of mindset and the activity and the responsiveness of being in the moment. Mm. Um, and they're like, they're, they're practicing sort of the, you know, going in the moment. And so one, one of the, again, your minor, like almost unnamed characters in the class it's like, hey, here's your pen. And the other guy goes, that's not a pen. That's a fish. <laughs> it's like that's not at all funny or believable or interesting. But he was trying to go for the laugh line. Right. Of like, fish is, you know, give me a fish. That's weird and funny. But it's like, no, that's not. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's not funny. It's not funny. It's just like uncomfortable and bad. <laughs> God. And how to, how to do that wrong. Mm. Um, and that's, and you know, when, I mean, if you'd like to learn more about, uh, Kevin playing fiasco, go to catastrophic dot horse. Why not horse? Why not? Why not? Uh, but yeah, being able to go, you know, and, and sort of practice that idea of like, okay, we're just going with the flow and we're doing what stories happen. Yeah. You know, we played an episode or not an episode. We just, I was just playing fiasco with friends and all of a sudden one of the people in the game ripped off the skin of his arm and turned out to be a robot the whole time. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you're a robot now. What does that mean? Like, what is that? What are the implications of that? Oh, it turns out there's like 30 of you and you're a robot army and we have to deal <laughs> with that. Cool. Well, like I, I can, like, as you're saying that I can, and I know this impulse of myself to be like, why? Like, but you can't, yeah, you, you can't, can't ask you why. Can't ask why. But I won't be like, why is he a robot? How does that make sense? Like what, do we already, what else have we already learned that is changed or like, how can I look back at what's happened through the lens of like, Oh, he was a robot. Like, not, well, no, so, well, you can do that to a certain extent, but you, you have to accept, okay, he is a robot. What are the implications? Right. But you have like, to, Oh, that conversation now means it's something new and different, but you have to parse all that in a quarter second. Yes. And then just move on. Yes. <laughs> Which is like, right. Like I would want to like sit down and be like, mm, a robot. Okay. Well, so the, Interesting. The, the trick is you don't have to have the answer immediately. You have to think about the question immediately. Mm. You've got time to come up with the answer. You've got other things you can do between now and then, but whatever you, that might be. But you have to do other things between now and then. That's yes, what makes it hard. you do hard. have to do other things between now and then. That is, that is important. You only have time because you have to make it. Yeah, but it's, it's you discover what the answers are by playing the game, you discover what the answers are by doing the thing. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, one of the things that can happen in a bad game of fiasco, which I know way more about than I know about improv, but what happens in, in a bad game of fiasco is you plan everything out. You, you figure it all out in the setup. Oh, and then like you try to make the story go there. Yeah. 
uh, and that and that doesn't work, and it's not interesting and not fun. And so one of the tricks that I try and do when I'm teaching people to play Fiasco is say, when someone asks like a weird question, it's like, what does that mean about this? And I'm like, we'll play it and figure it out. Mm. Like, don't don't have to have an answer to every question. Like, okay, our characters used to be married, but also we robbed a bank once. Like, what are those related? Is that different? What is that? What is that between us? And or and why is this stuffed teddy bear really important? I don't know. Hmm. Let's find out. Let's find out by playing the game. Mm. Let's have a scene where we're f- where that teddy bear comes up again, where I find it in the trash can. What does that mean? I don't know. What is and and yeah. being able to find that in the scene. So having the questions is good, but you you figure out the answer by doing it. Right. That and that is. Yeah, that's the thing that it seems very opposing to my nature. Fair, Be- like because you say that yeah. it's like mm, like married and robbed a bank. Like let's figure out what that is. Well, we used to be married and robbed a used bank. Used to be married and robbed a bank together. Like let's figure out what that, what all that means and what that was, and then like try as the as we're playing, try to bring out my idea of it. Yeah, well, that's not helpful. Which which isn't helpful. It makes it unfunny. <laughs> yeah, and like it's just it's not cool. Co- you can't good. be surprised in it's that. It's not moment. good. You can't be surprised yet. by that. Yeah, I don't have an improv brain. I don't know. I think you did a great job well, when you were well, playing I don't fiasco. Think, I don't think many people have improv no, brains. No, no, right? I don't like think so. Yeah. that's what that's what you said. Like you take classes, you learn it. Like yeah. it's trained and taught into you. Yeah, but I would. I still think you did a great job when we played fiasco. Oh, uh, maybe I did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could have felt uncomfortable and felt terrible the whole time, and that's okay. Which is how I usually feel when I'm doing anything new. Yeah. So, but I, I don't think, you know, having listened to that episode when I was editing it, like I don't think you did anything that made it bad yeah. or that was a failure of being in the moment and responding to things that were happening. I didn't uh, pretend anything. I didn't declare anything a fish instead that's, of a pen. That's an important step one. Step zero in comedy. Yeah. It's not a fish. <laughs> it's not a fish. Um, I'm, I am trying to get another fiasco game together because it's been way too long since I've played. Um, I think it was like it was it was pre-election was the last time we I played. It was very pre-election. It wasn't very pre-election. It was a no? little bit pre-election. Okay. Um, we had the nominees. Oh, the election. <laughs> 